Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. I'm just going to start off by asking a question this afternoon. And the question that we're going to start off with is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this question asked by Jesus in the, is, is asked by Jesus in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and to be honest, it's been haunting me for the past couple months. Uh, a little context to why. Uh, is it because I found myself in the middle of a parable series at Hope Brooklyn? No. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, hello, I'm Janelle. I'm one of the pastors here. And in tandem with serving here at Hope Brooklyn, I also serve our Force Corps denomination as a chaplain um, on the campus of Harvard University, where I, along with 50 other uh, men and women, serve students, faculty, and staff of that campus, uh, ranging everywhere from atheist, humanist, my pal Greg, to Zoroastrian, my other pal Dariush. And sprinkled in between that is all of spiritual, ethical, religious faiths. Uh, As I entered in, which will be my final year at Harvard, um, my understanding was that it would be a year of transition. I would be holding very loosely uh, my responsibilities at Harvard. They knew um, why. They knew about my recent transition to New York City. And, uh, and I was expected to show up um, to our plenary gatherings to cheer on my colleagues, uh, to meet uh, sprinkled with students and over coffee uh, throughout the month um, and just talk about kind of happenings around campus. It was supposed to be a very low key year, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and everything changed on October 7th. Uh, Since the Hamas attacks on Israel, our campus and leaders have been tested pretty intensely. Uh, Hate emails uh, in our inbox, phone calls, acts of aggression have escalated, not just um, at the college level, but also in our graduate schools and post-grad levels as well. Fear has been the default, uh, and the response or lack thereof Um, has been used as weapons, leaving leadership paralyzed, people dehumanized, and very discouraged. Why do I share this with you today? A couple reasons. Number one is you're my community. Get excited. (laughs) So (laughs) I am now an extension of you there, (laughs) and vice versa. And at the same time, I believe that if we haven't already, we will taste and experience having to hold the tension and space of opposing and escalating views, beliefs, tragedies, and injustice. It's inevitable. Where the world disciples us on how to be a people of cynicism, outrage, dehumanization, and judgment, Jesus invites us to be a neighbor. So my prayer in sharing this passage of scripture from the Gospel of Luke 
is that the exchange of questions and the parable spoken would in some ways mess with you as it has messed with me. That it would challenge us to posture to a posture of radical generosity and ownership of the other. That it would make us see what Jesus sees and that we would leave the words of Jesus and go and do likewise. So I'm going to caution you with this as we engage with this passage. This invitation once heard cannot be ignored. We're either going to move on with our life or we're going to ask the question, so how am I complicit in this narrative? (laughs) If we dare to engage with the words of Christ in this exchange, it will invite disruption that I can promise and risk into our lives. It will hijack all that we work hard and diligently to curate and keep in order. This invitation of mercy is messy, costly, and has the risk of making us a target in the process. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you in the most uncertain times and spaces, Lord, it is your people that run directly into the awkwardness that are instructed to not move to the other side. But Lord, we are called to be responsible. As citizens of your kingdom, we hold the tension Lord, of the messiness, but also, Lord, of hope. So, God, be in our midst, and I pray that your words would do the work that we cannot, and that your spirit would give us a roadmap to how to be reconcilers and how to be neighbors in a world of enemies and in a world, Lord, that is desperately needing Lord, healing, redemption, and solace. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 10. I almost said Matthew chapter 13 from the last time I preached uh, because I've still been that's still been haunting me as well. So I've been kind of going back and forth. So in, in um, the spirit of my sermon two weeks ago, you who have ears to hear, listen. Let's listen to God's word. Luke 10, verse 25. Just as the expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
So we're going to skip down. We'll talk about the narrative that Jesus imposes in between these two exchanges. And I'm going to leave you with this verse as we talk about the parable. And it says, well, let's just stop there. We have a lawyer who is well-versed in the law, a Pharisee, if you will. And he comes to Jesus with curiosity, with the question, but kind of in my opinion, this you can look, you can't, this isn't found in any theological books or commentaries. I just think, you know, this this man's motive is more scrutiny than it is curiosity. And we've all been there. Uh, sitting around with my colleagues this past Tuesday, um, we were going through some of our emails and some of um, our cell phone exchanges from people that won't leave their name, will, will be anonymous, but uh, have said some pretty uh, horrible things to people that they've never met before. Um, this past Tuesday, I was on campus, and there was a truck that was driving around the school with a digital um, billboard around the college with students ranging anywhere between 18 and 21 years old, um, blasting staff and faculty of the university, um, calling them things that I'm not going to repeat um, online, but you get the picture. So there's motive, and Jesus and our author are not, are very much aware of what this motive is, but this is what I love about Jesus, is that Jesus is like, let's talk about it, let's engage. It's an invitation. And so this teacher of the law asks a series of questions, and I love that Jesus asks him questions as well. He is taking his questions from the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. So if you go to Leviticus 19.18, this is one part of, of the question, and it's, and it's from this verse. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all with all. I totally, I did not write this correctly in my notes. See, this is why I should bring my Bible up here. <laughs> Thank you. Is it up there? Thank you, Kevin. With all your heart, with all your wood, probably will is what I'm thinking it would be, um, and with all your strength. Got you. This is why we need Dylan. Dylan is going to be coming up, Christina's son, and helping us in the back. So he will, do, he will be our proofreader. Um, so Deuteronomy 6.5. So, so in these two references to the law that this man is very much well-versed in, an exchange begins. And it starts with this question. Pharisee, question to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? No big deal. Just, you know, your run-of-the-mill question. And I love Jesus' response. He says, well, what is written in the law? And how do you read it? So he turns the tables back on, on and, and our, our lawyer extraordinaire, who probably loves a good Q&A sesh, um, replies, oh, I know the answer. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, You've answered correctly. 
do this and you'll live. Let's move on. But the lawyer who is not satisfied and wants to justify himself says one more question. Who is my neighbor? So Jesus takes up this question, and it says in the Gospel of Luke, he takes up this question. And in, and in my version, I would say Jesus is being a good neighbor. He's not blasting this man for his motives. He's not putting him, you know, on the spot. He said, okay, yeah, let me tell you a story. And Jesus engages in this parable about an Old Testament scripture. And what does he say? He said, there is a man who's gone on a trip. And on this trip, he got robbed. He got jumped. Anybody got jumped in this room before? So back in the day, I worked as an intern in a city called El Monte, California. Now, El Monte was um, colorful. And... <laughs> Part of my internship years, my boot camp, if you will, my hazing, was that we would get up at like 5.30 in the morning and go to the campus of our church and pick up trash because, you know, we had daily prayer. Um, and during one of these occasions, a friend of mine, Mark, who, uh, you know, we'd both be like half asleep, there, someone, I'll just say this, someone was murdered on the corner of that church right before Christmas Eve service. And so we had like, we had a, a, a crime scene as we're trying to usher people into our Christmas Eve service. It was pretty wild. But um, my, my friend Mark, half asleep, ran into some colorful people um, and they beat him up pretty good. And so, you know, he, he lived to tell the tale. But all that to say, this man experienced the same and was close to death. Mark was not, but he did get scared. Uh, and so he's chilling on this road, half dead, almost dead. And he's in, three people encounter this man. First is a, Ferris, is a priest. And as this priest is approaching this body, this mangled bloody body in the middle of the road he goes to the he sees him and goes to the other side the next is a levite a levite who comes again sees this man and moves to the other side of the road and continues on this journey now jesus isn't going to detail of why they moved of their motives of moving of, he doesn't, he doesn't, we don't, there's no speculation. We just know that they keep going and they ignore the man that has been beat up, could be dead in the middle of the road. And then a third man approaches him, a Samaritan, who's going down the road just as they were, had business on a mission, and sees this man, and he immediately gets off his horse, goes to the man, and begins to attend to his wounds. And not only does he do that, but he puts him on his ride, 
And he takes him to a nearest inn, and he uses that space to try and get him recovered. But he has to go. So what does he do? He takes his own money, and he gives it to the innkeeper, and he says, take care of, my, take care of this man. I have to go, but I'll be back. And he comes back and attends to him. Now we'll go to the final verse and to the final question, which says this. Jesus asking the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And the lawyer says pretty aptly, well, the one who showed mercy to him. And Jesus answered him, go and do the same. Now, there's always a temptation in parables to try to allegorize everything, like who's the Levi, who's the priest, who's the road in this, in this narrative, like who's the, who's the horse? I would be the horse. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't know. But, I mean, we can all, like, put ourselves in certain parts of this narrative, and, and you know what? That would do injustice to the narrative, because parables are so powerful that they don't, to allegorize it would be to minimize it. And I think just allowing this passage to sit in our hearts does a pretty good job of cutting it. Because here's the thing. Here's what we know about a priest and a Levite. We know that it's costly to touch a body that's dead. It's unclean. And we know, we don't know, why they were on the road in the first place. They could have had an emergency. They could have tried to, who knows? We don't know. But also the same with the Samaritan. We don't know what business he was on. Why do I say this? I say this because to be a neighbor, to be a good neighbor, is a radical act. And I would also argue that in order to be a good neighbor, we need Jesus. Because what it requires of us is way too costly if we don't have help. See, the Samaritan wasn't a doctor. He wasn't a professional at, like, picking up. He wasn't, like, our, you know, our firefighter up here, Matt, who, like, is trained to, you know, save people's lives and to, you know, give them medical attention. He just saw a problem, and he attended to it. That man's problem became his problem. And I think that this is one of the hardest things to do in our world today. Because our world gives us a lot of excuses to just mind our own business, go to the other side of the road, and keep walking. Because to insert ourselves in someone else's pain is risky. To insert ourselves in a brother and sister's misfortune 
it leaves us vulnerable. Because what if we do it wrong? And what if they're not on the right team? What if they deserved what they got? And also, it takes time. It takes us being possibly misunderstood. It hijacks our plans. And it also messes with the areas that we worked really hard to be disciplined at, to to not be like the person that's half dead on the road. Maybe this dude was like, you know, traveling in the middle of the night when it's like, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Like, who knows? But here's the thing that I love about Jesus. He puts no stipulations on this command. In order to be a neighbor, they don't, we're, we're not called to be a neighbor if they look a certain way, if they act a certain way, if they were responsible in the right ways. And he also doesn't tell us who our neighbor isn't. One of the, one of the, um, one of the books I was reading and preparing for this says that the Good Samaritan is an example story. One of the only examples, one of very few example parables in the Bible. Because Jesus is pretty explicit in this story. In other stories, sometimes he leaves some ambiguity there. He leaves us with kind of a question to ponder. But as he finishes this conversation with the lawyer, he is very clear. Go and do likewise. Church, our world needs good neighbors. Our world needs us to get off of our road, off of our to-do list, and to look around us and to attend to the bloody and the bruise that are all around us. As followers of Jesus, we exist for the other. Because if we didn't, what are we still doing here? And so with the, with the radicalness of generosity becomes this as well. Radical mercy. And the fact of the matter is, I want to be the Samaritan. Oh, I see my, you know, when I read this, I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) That would be me. I would totally do that. I would put a bloody man in my car. No problem. Well, actually, it's Emily's car. Sorry. Um, And, you know, risk being a girl helping a strange dude that's half dead on the side of the road. Yeah, no problem. I totally do that. But here's the thing. I find myself more being the buddied guy on the road. And I'm going to close with this. 
Over the past 20 days, coming, well, no, today's 21 days of prayer and fasting, I came into this with the posture of, God, I am so excited to hear from you. I am so excited to hear what you have for 2024. Let's go. New year, new me. And what I was invited to in the middle of this fast, and even now this week, has been a lot of repentance, has been a lot of saying I'm sorry, and has been a lot of me taking account of what I say before God and my brothers and sisters, and repentance. And man, we say these words and we believe these values, but when we have to submit to them ourselves and have conversations with people and say, man, I'm screwed up, I'm really sorry. It's really hard. When Jesus invites the scrutiny of the lawyer in this story, he's saying to him, I see you. And although your motives might not be gold star, I still want to engage with you and let's have a conversation because you're my neighbor and I love you. And we can't justify that the other two characters in our story that didn't do what we think they should have done are not our neighbors as well. So what do we do with this? My prayer is that we allow the Holy Spirit to capture or maybe recapture our hearts and to humble ourselves and to say, God, who is my neighbor? Or better yet, who is my enemy? Who is the annoying person that keeps doing the same thing over and over again that I want to cancel? Who is the person that I, that I am the polar opposite of agreeing with? And how can I get them around my table? How can we break bread? Maybe metaphorically, I mean, you know, or maybe for real. If we are going to be a church that has a big front door, this is what's going to be required of us. And it's not, and people are not going to understand. I don't understand sometimes. And will we be vulnerable in that process? Yes. But will God take care of us? Yes, he will. Because we are following him into those messy middles. That is the act of discipleship. That is the walk that Jesus walked. And you know what? <laughs> it's really hard, and sometimes I am the Levite that goes to the other side because I just can't deal. But what if, what if we said yes to that invitation to get a little messy, to do, some, to do the hard things, to have hard conversations so that we could love people, so that we could see people, so that our neighbor would know that there is a God in heaven who loves them and who sees them. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This isn't self-love. This isn't self-care. This is sacrificial. Because what you would do for yourself, you dare do to someone who you have never met before and who might not even deserve it and who might throw it in your face. Because you know what? Everyone that was listening to this parable by Jesus did that to him. That's how his story ended. And I wonder, is if Jesus is engaging in this parable, he's also engaging with himself. What it's going to require of me to be your neighbor is for me to sacrifice my life and die. I want to invite our communion ushers and our worship team to come up. And church, this is good news. This is good news. Because Jesus could have said, hey, like, be a good teacher. Be a good mentor. But he invites us to into relationship by being a neighbor. And so maybe you're sitting here and maybe you've been broken and half dead on the side of the road and you've seen the church walk around you. And maybe coming into a place like this is an act of faith because it's traumatizing. Maybe God wants to remind you that you are seen and loved and there's room for you. And I'm sorry. I'm personally sorry. Maybe you've been the one that's been bandaging up people a lot and it's been a lot of work and you're beat up in the process. You're like, God, I don't think I could keep doing this. Your obedience is not unseen. Keep following Jesus. And finally, maybe you've been scared to respond, to run into the fire. Maybe as you sit here, you think, like, God, I wish I had courage like him. I wish I had the courage to get messy and to do what I feel like you're asking me to do. Friends, there's grace and there's mercy and it's his job to show you how. So as we come to the table, we have Brandon and Kevin here. Would you come in faith with maybe one, two, or maybe all of the above? questions and would you lay this at the feet of Jesus and ask the Lord Lord how can I be a good neighbor what is required of me and maybe just maybe ask him say I'm opening up myself to try so Lord as we break bread your body 
Lord, as we partake of the juice, Lord, your bloodshed. Lord, we are reminded that, God, we needed a rescue. We needed someone to be responsible for us. And Lord, as we acknowledge that through the partaking of the, of the bread and the wine, Lord, would you heal our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you begin to move and to challenge the areas, Lord, that we need to love? Lord, we need to be neighborly. Lord, we need to receive or we need to attend to something that's messy and broken. And Lord, it's only through you and by you that we can be witnesses of this. We thank you for your work, and we thank you for your mercy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.